Hello, everybody. This is Emmanuel Cookman Holloway. It's your boy, Stephen Newman. And we are with you with another episode of Financial Therapy. We're so excited. Um, so last week, we appreciate everybody, um, everyone's involvement and engagement. Our views have, have been going up. Our audience has been growing. So we want to show so much appreciation to you. We, we, we thank you because... In a time like this, uh, we believe productivity is extremely important. It's extremely important. Uh, what I want to say is this quote that by Miles Monroe. Um, he was talking about finance, and one of his quotes is, poverty is the absence of self-production. So um, we, we study a lot of, like this book is from The Wealth Factory. Uh, we, stu- we study a lot of uh, books in regards to wealth because wealth is in the mind and for us to be able to pr- produce something of, that is of value to you guys is extremely fulfilling to what we to, to what we got going on so steve uh what is your thoughts on what our last episode and, and where we're touching bases today uh so where we're touching bases today is guys we want to talk a little bit about uh so again this is our book series just a uh, reiterate here. Uh, this is our second book that we're reviewing for you guys, uh, all sort of geared towards perspective and mindset. And this one is called What Would the Rockefellers Do by the author Garrett Gunderson. Uh, so we went over <clears throat> many things before. We went sort of outlaid the book in general. So if you are new to the podcast, uh, if you look back uh, episode you'll see uh, where we introduce the book and sort of give the themes of the book and what you can expect from it. Uh, So going forward, uh, we wanted to, in this next part of the series, is talk a little bit more about uh, what he he calls the five money personalities. Uh, We discuss uh, some of the different forms of expenses. If you guys recall from the last episode, uh, we also talked about the structure Uh, that he argues in the book uh, to help not only support growth, but help to foster it. Uh, So we want to get into a little bit more of the topic. Uh, I guess we can start with the personalities. Uh, And we wanted to give you guys sort of what, you know, we see in ourselves uh, through reading some of the book. And of course, as always, we want to hear from you guys as far as what you think. Uh, you know, what money personality do you most uh, associate with? And, you know, uh, we, we encourage you guys to read the book because he offers, you know, some solutions for, for all of the money personality types and what you can do uh, to engage in the positive side of that money personality and also what you can do to combat uh, some of, the, the, some of the, the, the downsides to that personality. Uh, so to speak. So with that said, E, uh, when you looked at uh, the five money personality types, uh, where, did, where did you see yourself? Uh, it's crazy because looking at my my life um, and learning from the experiences that I go through, um, I never want to make the same mistakes. I started seeing in my timeline where I fell and the avoider was where I used to be. I remember that I I did not want to, when I was playing overseas, I did not want to look at my bank account because 
uh, I knew I was spending, <laughs> and I did not. And I knew I had bills coming in, and, I, and I, every time I look, I see that number going down, and I see that number going down. And I identified myself at that time with the amount that was in my bank account, and my confidence fluctuated uh, because of that. Um, and just so uh, you and I connect on a deeper level, the avoider is someone who signs checks and bills without even looking. Avoider tends not to want to deal with money ever. It's a source of frustration, so they just push it off. If you have that tendency, hire a bookkeeper or a coach or a mentor or find a friend or spouse who can take on the role and hold you accountable. If this describes you, congratulate you for reading this book and not avoiding the topic of finance and money. This is a great step to find a middle path and have a better relationship. So that's where I, that's where I was. But then I found myself slowly graduating from from different levels in, in areas of my life. Um, the saver, um, that was, that's where I found myself. I thought, um, in contrast to the book, there was a scarcity of money. So as I saved, I thought about the restrictions and the boundaries at which I could operate and can't operate. And it talks about that mindset of not of that not being maybe the best because you, you're you not looking at all of the opportunities and being as productive as you possibly can. And money, I remember watching, and you, you can probably attest to this, Patrick Bitt David, the first video while I was overseas, he talked about cash likes to flow, money likes to flow. And if you're, an, if you're a saver, um, money just stops at you and it doesn't change his hands and it doesn't bring back more of his buddies. Um, so that's why, yeah, I, I like that. yeah, that, that's, that's where I started seeing myself. So I had to start developing the other, the other personalities. And, um, I guess my question would be to you, where did you see yourself up to this point? Uh, I would say that's a good question. I, I would say I started out, uh, the spender and the giver. So I definitely, Let's see, I'm trying to think about college days and everything. <laughs> but I would say definitely even post-college, starting out um, doing research in Chicago. Uh, shout out to Chris Gardner. Shout out to John Rogers, Melody Hobson, uh, all the good people who sort of helped me in my path. Uh, so I came out the gate making pretty good money doing you know investment research for a private investment firm in, in Chicago uh, in the loop. For my uh, Chicago, shout out to Shy man, <laughs> Millennium Park, stand up. So we, uh, you know, I started out spending, but I was it was also a giver component to it. So I used to love uh, like getting sections in the club, inviting people out, getting what uh, you know they made getting what in the club sections. Oh, sections! I thought I thought you said sex in the club. I'm like, <laughs> oh no, no, no! First of all, our Kelly does not exist. Uh, <laughs> And uh, second, no, <laughs> no love in this club, no usher, no uh, young, young Moolah baby, no Beyonce, no, 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 no. Thought about it, Thought but about it. <laughs> uh, therapy. But I know, I, but it, looking back, you know, it's it's, it's it was kind of like a twofold. So of course, I loved spending for myself. Don't get me wrong; like I was in the fashion. Uh, Ralph Lauren was a huge, huge brand for me. Drove, um, I'm cleaning this. Yeah, well, it was T.I. who kind of 
uh, he and Jay-Z started dropping labels, like Purple Label, man. So I got into, like, Black Label. Purple. So I started buying uh, the higher ticketed items for Ralph Lauren at the time. But the thing I enjoyed more than, like, looking my best was, like, I love, like, buying rounds. Uh, again, guys, these are young 20s, late 20s, so, you know, we're active. Yeah. So it's like, I, I love uh, Lollapalooza. Um you know, getting people uh, passes. Uh, I love to like get it. I love being able to give people experience. So that is one thing, but I would do it for the sake of my finances. And that's where I was running into trouble. Uh, it wasn't until later on where I started to switch into the saver. Um, and that's when I had, again, he talks about that scarcity mindset. So I was always trying to hoard uh, money because one thing I, I know about myself is I don't, I don't do well with the feeling that I don't have enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and not like enough like to make me fulfilled or anything like that, but I don't have enough to feel secure that if something happens, uh, an emergency arises, um, you know, bills come every month, so I'm looking down the road, like, okay, in six months, am, am I going to have money? I don't, I didn't like that feeling. Uh, but, you know, blazing into the path of uh, being a business owner and, and trying to create something that isn't there yet, uh, it's kind of changed sort of my perspective and kind of my behavior. Oh, wow. And I've sort of been leaning more towards the, really the ambassador. Um, in a sense that I do think about money a lot. So I'm constantly thinking, uh, I'm a spreadsheet guy. So like I will create a spreadsheet almost every day if I have to. Uh, and I'm constantly putting in formulas trying to see like, okay, I got this much money saved. I got, okay. It's good for this many months. Uh, I got these things coming up. Okay. I got this to the side and I'm constantly doing these money equations. Mm. Uh, you know, raise your hand out there if you can testify to this. <laughs> well, you, you're constantly creating these personal spreadsheets trying to figure out all these different avenues for everything that you want to achieve. And I like how he talked about uh, to, to create a second scorecard other than money, uh, which I am going to I'm going to do. So I put that on the board. Uh, just a side note to everybody out there who's a reader. Uh, when you finish that book or as you're reading that book, uh, science shows the sooner that you can apply the knowledge that you learn, the greater the chance uh, you have of maintaining and keeping that habit. Uh, so with that said, he's, he mentions bringing or creating a second scorecard other than money. And he asks a question that says, what makes you feel fulfilled? Uh, when do you feel best and what difference would you like to make in the world? Uh, so he says, by taking actions in these areas without, consi- without only considering how much money it will make, you can be a helpful master without having all of your self-confidence in your cash. So I think that's really important uh, because I do, have, uh, I do have issues with that, uh, being the value being wrapped up in the size of the account right. or how much do I have and that feeling that can come um, that feeling of inadequacy that can come when you don't think you are where you should be. It's funny. It's, it's ironic and it's spot on when you talked about 
um, as you became a business owner, you started finding yourself transitioned through these personalities. And we're going to list list out the personalities, but I wanted to uh, give my testimony about that uh, because throughout the entrepreneurial process and as a business owner, you guys, if you're listening, can raise your hand to this. Um, nobody tells you how difficult that first year of entrepreneurship is going to be. Oh, you know what man. I'm saying? So you're, you're constantly betting. I'm, I'm one of the types that bet on myself. Like I'm going to bet on myself because I know that's how I got to be able to play basketball for eight years professionally um, because it was me and God. So as I started seeing, I'm investing in myself and I knew that I was learning, but the material things was not there. Uh, and then all of the all of the the personal experiences and, and mistakes that were catching up with me that I that I avoided in the past was catching up, and I started addressing those. I started finding myself growing confidently when it when it pertains to the things that didn't directly relate to my bank account. And um, I'm not gonna say it feels as good as when your bank account is looking good. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah we don't yeah. We, we trust me we don't want to be uh misleading yeah, we don't want to definitely don't want to be misleading because but it is a, a much better feeling when you do something you love and the result is the of your productivity is whatever means that you desire like money is just that legal tender so if i wanted to do a, a service for somebody and they and they can give me something that i value then that's that's amazing so the money is there. Uh, so the the amasser is someone who does things in extremes. Uh, a master loves to make a lot of money and loves to spend a lot of a lot of money. Loves to save a lot. Loves to invest a lot. If they can't do all of that every single month, it hurts their confidence. A masters tend to think about money often. If you're in a master, organizing your finances, understanding your cash flow can help you ease your mind and keep you from being consumed and thinking about money. Create a second scorecard other than money, what makes you feel fulfilled. I mean, one of the things that keep that keeps me fulfilled is the opportunity to sit down with my the other day when it was able, when I was able to sit down and we, one of our clients that me and you have is my parents. Like that, that means a lot to me. You know, I had to let I let them know that like that. And then when we sit down with our with our with our clients, like that conversation, that interaction, that that flow that takes place, that woo we like the. The, the understanding the understanding what their dreams are that gives me extreme fulfill, fulfillment. Do you remember when we was in the uh, office and then our clients would come talk to us and then that that connection that they would have before before they get on the elevator like that feeling is like yeah it's like a rush it's, it was like a, you could tell it was like it was a very fulfilling moment like it, we would be extremely excitable we you know we do we dapping up you know we're hugging. Yeah. And you can feel you can feel that you can feel the energy, you can feel the love. Exactly. Exactly. And so that's why we that's why we preach the human value part. Because when you figure out what your gifts and, and your talents are and you give it to somebody, who's my Maya Angelo said your your job is to find out what your gift and give it away. I don't know if it was her or someone else. Please, mm -hmm. you guys. Okay. Don't want to miss quote. Yeah. Let us know what the quote yeah. is. They'll, they'll find your gift and give it away. Um, and the other personalities was the giver. Someone who enjoys helping other people and giving to charitable organizations, um, the avoider, the spender, and the saver. We did didn't really touch on the accounts. Um, there was four accounts. 
that they have. They have the wealth creation account, the peace of mind account. Wait, hold on, hold on. Let's back up. Introduce him. Introduce him. So Go this is when he, when he talks about putting your house in order. Yeah. So what we just went over, guys, is the five money personality types. Again, that's the saver. That's the spender. That's the avoider. That is the giver and the amasser. Uh, so definitely uh, let us know. Reach out. Let us know, you know, what money personality uh, are you closely associated with? What's, which one of those speak to you? Uh, and tell us why. And what, what do you do uh, to help uh, with the downside of whatever personality type that you have? And more importantly, what do you do to uh, embrace and grow that personality as well so that it benefits you the most? Uh, so the, there's another portion in the book where he talks about putting your financial house in order. And what he states is, that means creating the proper account structure. So ideally, uh, he, he uh, argues you want to set up three type of accounts, and really four. He gives a four bonus one. So the first one is what he calls the peace of mind account. And this is an account truly dedicated to providing staying power in times of tough cash flow. Uh, so I think most people can understand what that means. Uh, you know, peace of mind sort of in the title there. And again, we'll come back to these, but we just want to give you guys some quick definitions there. Uh, he also has for his second account, the wealth creation account. So this is an account that is focused on growing cash flow and improving the efficiency of your loans. Uh, the third account is called the living wealthy account. And this account uh, is created or it creates structure around preparing for events like travel and vacation. So again, that's something that's in the title. Uh, living wealthy, basically, you know, living my best <laughs> life. So <laughs> the final account. Radio version. Yeah, that radio yeah, yeah, gotta get the radio version. No disrespect to all our listeners. Right. We know you guys are from all over. So we also have a he also talks about a charitable giving account, which allows you to set aside money for charity and organizations and causes you believe in and to support groups or activities that matter to you. So we know this is big, uh, especially among uh, our millennial listeners. You know, a lot of studies show that you guys, you know, are starting to think more of society as the whole as opposed to the said individual. Uh, so he talks about how this uh, is also a part of that structure that helps to get your financial house in order. And with everything uh, going on in the world, that charitable account, uh, you know, it can be an argument can be made that it's more important now than ever. Mm. Uh, so these are the, the four accounts that he talks about uh, as far as having the proper financial structure. Uh, what are your thoughts about that, E? I'm going to dive right into the charitable account. Uh, mm. I was raised in the uh, in the Bible Belt going to church and in the, in the ties and the offering. And uh, I think that what the one, I know it's a lot of jokes around giving money to pastors and preachers and ministries of that, of that sort. Uh, but for me, uh, what I enjoyed doing was taking my percentage or percentage and sitting it aside. So when I see an opportunity, like at the Boys and Girls Club, it gave me a lot of joy to be able to go there and have a pizza party for them. Um, they knew me as the pizza man. 
He loves the yeah, kids. Love, uh, for everyone I, out there. I, I enjoyed or taking the money aside to, you know, invest in invest in, you know, some basketballs for some get kids or, or whatever the case may be, or other organizations that that I that I that I can I can identify with those those youngsters. So I I encourage anybody to when you see that opportunity, see something that's bringing value on a level that you necessarily don't, don't get a monetary satisfaction for to where you don't get a direct, I could just as easy find a justification for the benefit of doing it, but I try my best, you know, I'm human to take myself out of the equation and just do it because I believe that is, that is very important. So that that charitable giving to me is, is the one that really, really sticks out to me, Steve, like to be able to do that. And because, of, you know, uh, in this in this state that we're in, I was able to see my parents do it, and I was able to see them move forward. Um, and it keeps you humble. It really keeps you humble when you're able to give something to somebody, um, not because they're poor, um, because maybe they're producing it, but they are unaware of the possibilities that are in front of them. And then that keeps you humble enough to where you can receive, and you're not arrogant and prideful to where you can you can't receive from a blessing that somebody's able to give to you. So it it, it really streamlines that connection that we have because I believe we're all connected in some way. And the only time and the only time that thing is clogged up when we allow pride to get in our way. So charitable I could probably ramble about that one for another forty five minutes because I really believed in the connection of human beings. So what's your what's your what's your account that that really that really hits home or maybe that you have an experience that you could share with me and, and the ones who are listening? I would say I'm, I'm really intrigued by the Living Wealthy account. So the, the Peace of Mind account, you know, is something that's kind of always been with me because of my money personality type. So I'm, I'm, I'm never not aware if I don't, you know what I'm saying? I don't have peace of mind if, I, if it's not in place. It's automatic. But the Living Wealthy is something... Um, that I really want to work on. Uh, again, it's that, it's that uh, sort of like the scarcity mindset, um, but it's really surrounded by the lack of structure. And what I, what I mean by that is, you know, he suggests that the target should be to start with about 3% of your monthly take-home pay into the account. And he's, he describes this as guilt-free spending. So, you know, probably if you hear me out there, if you've ever... <laughs> had buyer's remorse on just discretionary spending. You bought some shoes. You're like, daddy, those shoes. Or you bought a uh, clothing. You bought a purse. You bought an accessory. You bought a car. You bought, you know, whatever it is that you bought. Uh, mostly like experience type things. You took a trip um, that was a little bit costlier than you, you expected. Uh, you, when you got there, you know, you started feeling yourself. So you're just throwing money around. Uh, I, I've been, trust me, I've been there. Been there, done that. Uh, but what I like about how he, he frames it is the guilt comes from the fact that there isn't enough discipline or structure around all of your money. So you're not quite sure if you can actually spend the money you're actively spending either in the moment or right after you spend. Mm. And what he suggests is, okay, set up an actual account that is specifically for living wealthy. So to give you guys uh, an idea on how I'm working on that is uh, me and my girlfriend, we have a 
uh, we're creating a uh, envelope system for, I guess you can call it the Little Wealthy account, but it's to fill up, you know, put money aside to fill up so that we can start to enjoy ourselves and enjoy experiences together. Uh, so it's plans to, um, like one of it is a uh, plan to go to Puerto Rico next year. Uh, I've never been, it's homeland, so I'm excited to go, heard great things. Uh, you know, road trip here and there, uh, a nice dinner, uh, you know, going, going out, uh, doing different things. So all of these things, I would have first been like, ah, should I really do that? You know, again, that scarcity mindset that gets us all. Instead of saying, okay, well, let me check my living wealth. Let's check our living wealthy account and see what we have in there. And then let's determine our experience based on that. And we know whatever we spend in that account, that's what it was for in the first mm. place. So there's no such, there's no reason to feel guilty about spending an account that was purposely built to spend. So that's where, uh, that's, that's the one that speaks to me. Uh, because we were, to be honest with you, before we read this book, we were sort of in that process to figure something out um, to really increase that uh, that relationship. So for all my people out there in a relationship, especially if you guys have been together a couple years, uh, you're past that honeymoon phase, uh, that living wealthy account uh, can help keep the creativity uh, because it, it's an account that forces you to think about what you guys have or have not done together. And it's, it's like it's money right there. So it's like if you're thinking like, man, we haven't gone out to eat in a long time. You got a living wealthy account ready for you to go and have, you know, wherever it is that you like to eat. I hear Bones is really good for steaks. Uh, Rathburn uh, over on Prog Street. Uh, shout out to my ATLers out here. <laughs> you know, we went to Houston's for a birthday, things like that. So, Happy again, birthday, these Dave. aren't – shout out. So these aren't um, – this isn't bragging rights or anything like that. This is more an open of conversation around finance. an open conversation, exactly, where you guys that can put something aside together. It really helps uh, with relationships. I know he doesn't cover that in the book. Just giving you guys my uh, personal That's experience. actually, you brought up a great point, an open conversation around finance with family. That's, that's going to be actually our next conversation, the podcast. Yeah, that, it is. That we want to debunk the taboo of fine of talking about finance with family because uh i believe we we block our our ability to grow when we don't want to talk about conversations similar to any as in any matter you want to have you, you want to embrace those difficult conversations and money is one of those one of those times because uh information and education is the biggest piece and that's why we're doing this the uh wealth creation account this is the one that I'm really, really excited about to learn and and, and go forward um, the word and the the uh, process that um, I'm really like embracing is arbitrage. Uh, I was studying that and that arbitrage is, is is the ability to understand the difference between what you're investing out and the interest at which you're you're borrowing money and. It's it, it it's to me that I believe that's where that cash flow is developed. So um, the wealth creation account an account focused on growing cash flow and improving the efficiency of your loans. Cash flow insurance is the best structure for a wealth creation account and can be deducted directly from your peace of mind account. Um, your wealth creation account can continue at, can contain at least one month of your living expenses at all times. It is used for per, 
productive experiences like continuing education, paying off loans, and funding your cash flow insurance. Uh, so I was watching a video yesterday. I sent it to you on YouTube. And it was an amazing, beautiful couple. They actually did an amazing job. And they was talking about the structure at which uh, they were talking about infinity banking. Have you heard heard about infinity banking? I've heard the term. I don't. I can't say I know it by definition. All right. So, in, in infinity banking is the ability to create your own banking system. So, even Gary Gunnison has a video where he's talking about how do banks think, and they also understand the 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 formula of, of arbitrage, and and that's that's understanding your cost index and your investor index. And when you understand that, then you know that okay, if you're borrowing something at a at a two at, at whatever rate it is, if it's let's say five this is very simplistic terms. If you're borrowing money for five percent and then you're able to make six seven percent or seven percent off that money, then that difference is what um that difference is what I get, I get what you're saying. It's like a net interest margin. Are you talking about the difference between what you borrow and the difference between what you gain in investment interest? Exactly. Exactly. And so the the concept was, all right, so the banks are doing that. You, you get paid your income. Remember, you had a very important quote that you said about the cost of, of your of your the, the cost of your income. What did you What did you say? Yeah. So the to give you guys a little background, uh, if you think about the bank, the relationship you have with the bank, right? So the interest that they pay you for you to keep your money in the account. I know everybody's like, they don't pay me anything. Exactly. So they pay you about 0.01, 0.02% in interest to keep the money. And what they do is, which you guys know, because everybody has the other relationship with the bank, which is through borrowing, they loan that same money out at a much higher interest rate. Uh, You know, depending on the type of credit worthiness you have, you know, it may be from 3% upwards. But that difference between the 0.02% that they're paying all of their customers to hold their money and the difference of that 4% or whatever average they get for the money they lend out to others, that difference is what they call net interest margin. And banks pretty much eat on that day in and day out. Uh, But what we, you know, what we always like to talk about is the different forms of money and not just how you make it, but the associated costs. So one thing that we always, uh, or we've had a conversation about, uh, which E was referring to is the cost, how expensive uh, W-2 income is. And the reason that it's expensive and is one of the more expensive forms of money uh, is because of the time that it takes for you to generate the income. So time being, you know, given the fact that everyone dies is, you know, it's arguably your most valuable asset. And you trade that asset plus skill for some uh, currency, some income. And because it takes typically, you know, the structure of employment, you know, you typically are nine to five. You got to put in 40 hours, even if it takes 20 hours to do the work. Um, And it's just a it's a more expensive form of capital because of the time it takes to earn is that what you're referring that's, to e that's exactly what that's exactly what i was referring to and how it took correlation to your wealth creation account is the vehicle that you can 
trans transition your money into to where you're able to move forward effectively and efficiently. And it, it takes this is where a guy like Steve is very important when you have spreadsheets and you can look at, okay, this is how much this is costing me monthly. If I got credit cards, if I have student loan debt, if I have a, a car payment, all right, this is what it's costing me. If if uh, will it make sense for me to um, to pay pay this one off as opposed to um, this one? And how can I restructure the income that I have or the money that I have saved in a position to where ten years or twenty years down the road I'm still able to grow my money? Because if you're able to save a penny today, that penny may be two pennies or one dollar, maybe two dollars. 10 to 15 years from now and that's looking at your whole plan and, and putting it right there in front of you and not really just living for that moment um, that you know I found myself doing previously and I work daily to make sure I don't so is that is that is that concept as clear that I did I say it as clear as I I feel it like I feel my energy like getting up right now. <laughs> no, it does. So, guys, if you think about this as the three levels of finance, which we discussed in a previous podcast referring to this book, it talks about the first level being, you know, to secure yourself against catastrophe. So it talks about, you know, making sure that you have health insurance, you got disability, you have your life insurance. You have your six months at least of uh, income, not income, expenses uh, saved and put to the side. And then when he he talks about that transition from the peace of mind um, status to, you know, from playing defense to playing offense, if you think about it in terms of sport, as the offense being the fun part. So when you think about the wealth creation account, have fun with it. You know, you you've made it to the first level. You've done the necessary things to make sure that if something happens to you, you're prepared, uh, your family's prepared, your loved ones are prepared. And now it's time because you've, you've done the hard work. You know, for most of us, if you saved up that six months, that was hard earned savings. Man. Uh, so you, you deserve this creative level. You deserve this, you know, opportunistic level. You deserve this offensive level where it's not about the defense and reacting. It's about being proactive, it's about creating. So what I like about the idea of the wealth creation account is what it, what it allows you to do. And what it allows it to, you to do is to, now it's time to grow that human life value that we talked about. So what, you know, if you're out there listening and you, know, you have your six months savings store to the side, if you don't, it's okay. You know what the goal you need to work to. You know, continue at it, you can do this. And when you get to that point, you know, come back to this podcast and you listen um, to start to formulate, okay, now that I've put money away, now it's time to start putting money to work. It's basically what we're talking about here. And exactly. once you start to do that, you know, it's, you, ne- you just don't know the type of things that will come out of the creativity, out of the creative mind. So we like to help put our listeners in that space. And that's what I, that's what speaks to me about the wealth creation account is now you get to play in the realm of the more sophisticated uh, financial entities and financial, you know, people in this world. So you can also be that financial professional as well. Um, and I, and for, you know, if you have a passion, if you have a purpose, if you have something you're interested in, 
this is where uh, you can start to structure yourself to build towards future cash flow. Because again, one of the things we've always talked about uh, when we we're talking about 401ks and you know defined benefits and all of those things, if you think about what you're trying to do, you're basically trying to solve a future cash flow problem you know you're going to have when you no longer want to work or can't work. And that's being the basis pretty much, I won't say the basis, but that's the fundamental level of retirement planning which is what do we do today to make sure that we have enough money, um, enough cash flow uh, in the future when I can no longer mm. count on the paycheck I have at work. Uh, and what we uh, want to shake up and change in that perspective, because we've seen, you know, in our own practice, we've seen far too many people, we studied far too many people who at, when it's time for them to walk, you know, and, and to live, First of all, the idea that you have to wait ridiculous. 30 years to live your wealthy life it's, is something that should be challenged in the first it's place. Ridiculous. But no, no disrespect, but if that is the path you're on, you know, look at what's happening to the people that are ahead of you that went through that same path. You know, the average 401k balance, I believe, at retirement is around $50,000. Uh, so we're not saving enough. We're not investing enough. Uh, and the returns aren't there on a consistent basis for people to make those meet their number is what they always call it. So what we want to challenge people is to say, okay, we know that you're putting money away to make sure that you're stable. You've got something for emergencies. You got all your insurances taken care of. And we know you're putting money away. Typically, if you work a job, you're putting it away through a defined plan, like a 401k, 403b, 457, um, so in hopes that you can live the life you want to live in retirement, we're challenging you to say, okay, what about the money uh, that should be invested in who you are right now to develop your human life value, to develop the thing that you do as a hobby, to develop the idea in your mind that you haven't totally want to put on paper, or develop the idea you have put on paper, but you don't know where to start. Uh, this is where we want to challenge, because we believe if you start to direct some of that money into your wealth creation account, uh, you know, whatever the name you want to call it is what it does, not what it is. Whatever you do, uh, whatever you put it into, we want to make sure that it's going to facilitate your human life value. Because we believe money is the result of value creation. It's not the action itself. So if you're looking for future cash flow, start asking yourself, well, how can I invest in me or invest in others to produce said cash flow? What are some of the things that I could be doing right now to increase the cash flow so that now I can, maybe now you can put more towards investing. Now you can put more towards retirement. Now you can do more of what you love to do in the here and now, as opposed to the put your head down, work for 34 years and hope that the money's there when you retire so you can do the things you always wanted to do. So that, that I, I would say that would be our challenge. Um, to the resistance. Especially to the resistance. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really I really value everybody who listens to our and engages into our podcast because this this is one of those things that forgives us fulfillment. Um having the conversation. We we started the idea and the concept behind this podcast would be the, the daily calls that I would have with you, Steve, and then we would you know, we would just ask these prudent questions that led us to 
question, you know, everything. We we started off in a at a financial firm when we met in in Atlanta, um, and they have structure. There's no there's no, nothing against any any corporate structure because you know we all want to be able to grow a conglomerate to that to that magnitude, you know, and um, we still have relationships there and we and we we value them. That's what allows us to bring service and 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 the best service to our clients and to our practice. But we started realizing like, you know, with these, some of the things, you know, were, are, are great. We understand why they're in place, but let's see if we could directly impact the, uh, the practice that we will, we want to build. And so the conversations that we had led us to really uncover a lot of what society thought was best for us. When we look around and realize, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to swim to the shore and it's pulling us back and we had to figure out a different way to approach it. So uh, we encourage everybody to figure out what, what is going to help them bring fulfillment and take that scorecard. Um, if you're in a, if you're in a position where you where your finances isn't where you would like them to be. Um, and, and with that, um, we, we, just, we hope that you're able to find that purpose because we know you have it. We know you have that purpose. We know there's a calling on your life and, and money is just that tool for you to accomplish that. So it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful opportunity to have this podcast and we appreciate everyone who listens. Well said. So with that guys, uh, we appreciate you as always. Uh, again, look out for the next podcast. Uh, we want to dive a little bit deeper into your family's human life value. Uh, and bring, uh, we want to bring a conversation there. So, so stay tuned. Um, and trust me, we'll we'll break down in the beginning, like we always do, exactly what you can expect from us in the podcast. Uh, but just know that that theme is going to be based around your family's human life value. And for the resistance, wherever you may be, wherever you are, mm-hmm. we know you're listening. Uh, stay saving. Keep saving, keep striving, and we'll we'll talk to you guys soon.